0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Vogue Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hausler. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. These short 8 to 15 minute podcasts cover a wide range of topics to help you get faster. Whether you're looking to win a national championship, finish Leadville, crush Tulsa tough, get on a gravel world's podium, or simply drop your friends. If we've never met, I'm the co-founder and president of Evoke Bike. I've been coaching athletes since 2010, and I've trained with power for over 150,000 miles. I've also won three Masters National Championships, but I'm mostly proud of my nearly 100 Pro 1 podiums, simply because it shows my consistency in the game and my hunger to get better for not only myself, but the Evoke community, which includes you. If you enjoy these podcasts, please leave us a review on Apple or follow and download the episodes from Spotify. And if you want to take your support to the next level, please click the support link at the bottom of this podcast where your donation will help us pay for everything that helps to keep this free podcast going. Now, to the show. I want to talk about progression a little bit. I think there are a lot of athletes getting stuck on this, and some people will definitely disagree with this. There are definite webinars out there about always progressing. And I've posted, I think incorrectly, uh, previous videos about progression of intervals. And I think it's easy for us all to lose sight that when we label something as three by 10 minutes, or three by 12 minutes, or three by 15 minutes, these are, these numbers are chosen based on arbitrary values that allow us to reach a total duration of work. But what gets more credit is the actual 10 minute. I'm doing 10 minute intervals today. I'm doing 15 minute intervals today, as opposed to looking at the total volume all the time. Because at some point, the total volume, no matter what you're going to do is going to become too much, right? We could take 25 minutes of VO2 max and break it up a bunch of different ways, but at the end of the day, it's 25 minutes of work. Now, granted, you wouldn't want to do one and a half minute intervals 15 times because you're not gonna actually get VO2 max work done, but we're getting really granular here. You probably aren't gonna do, you know, let's say, uh, I wanna be generous here. Probably not gonna do more than an hour and a half of of threshold work and that would be a lot but I know someone out there if I say 60 minutes they're gonna say oh well I do four by 20 it's like okay we get it you there's a finite number of total work but people are getting caught up in this micro progression progression on only the workout level I would recommend zooming out and looking at your progression on a macro level Are you training more? Are you spending more time at harder, higher intensities when it really matters? But to get better in an aerobic sport like cycling, you should see more endurance time increasing each year. You should see your numbers increasing in in a few different ways. If you're a newer cyclist, and this is actually a question that we're going to talk about on I'm getting the shows. I was about to say the coffee breakaway. We're going to talk about on bike radio a number or a question that came in was, you know, when do you see FTP gains stop? And I don't think you want to see gains stop in that department while your absolute value might stop. Your ability to do that effort later in the race should be there the more you ride. My FTP has been around, and depends when, if I went out and did a 20 minute test, let's say, it's going to vary. Um, Between maybe what I do, I did almost 20 minutes at 450 this past year, but my top end might not have been as high. And I might only get 430 if I'm a little bit tired. And, you know, my FTP, which I don't give MFTP the biggest clout in WKO, but it'll vary between... to maybe, I don't even know if I hit 4.20 this year in uh, WKO, and also I don't do as many super long efforts like I used to, so there's different inputs coming in, so I'm probably going to get different outputs, but I think going back to the point of this podcast, micro-progression in the workouts Is sometimes focused on too much versus your macro progression, which is more you as a total athlete. You know, make sure you're looking at all of the metrics, but also how are you feeling and performing? That's the biggest key. And then when you're, and I think a very timely time to talk about this is progression during base. I'm going to redo five blocks to racing. I think five blocks to racing is still applicable to lower volume athletes that train inside. But the more I look back at it, it's very interval based and I don't do as many intervals as I used to. And I think that while these workouts would be good for someone that is going to have limited time and also maybe be stuck inside and need some more structure, I think... I think the first couple months are only applicable to those people. And I think the last three months or three blocks are applicable to more people. But this is why templates suck. And I almost wanted to go delete the post because I, I didn't want – I wanted that to become a guide for an athlete that has to DYOR, do your own research, figure yourself out, ask some questions of yourself. That's what I wanted it to spark – And from some of the emails I've received that are usually like, hey, man, I followed five blocks to race and it's helped me increase my FTP, X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, wait, damn, people are following this. They're not just asking questions of themselves about it. Uh, Yeah, it's the best. (laughs) I think it's the best free template out there because people are spending $120 on templates, which... Wish you wouldn't do that. You'd you'd make so many more gains. You just dyor would a little bit and figured yourself out a little bit and asked your questions a little bit. But I think this is a good segue to base season because an athlete asked me, "Hey, I don't know if I'm seeing progression in these intervals, and they seem a bit random at times. Can you explain this to me?" And I was like, "This is a great question that I need to address because." I clearly haven't I haven't laid out the roadmap to them specifically enough of the biggest thing in base is volume. And when I say that, I don't want you to just go out and drive yourself into the ground. So the, the asterisk is volume that's not going to destroy you, but volume that will bring up your yearly hours. Now is the time to do all of that aerobic work for all of the reasons that we talked about. In the Why Ride Endurance video of increasing mitochondrial density, become more efficient with the glycogen that you have, learn how to use, or I shouldn't say learn, have your body, your physiology change so that you use fat more efficiently as fuel because you do have a limited supply of glycogen and carb utilization that you can use and also use less carbs to fuel your rides become more aerobic, don't go glycolytic. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there are some more basic videos that we've put out about this. Um and that's not a knock to you. We we all have to learn and I'm always still trying to learn and understand more about the physiology and how does our training affect this? But go back and understand why huge volume, we're not going to tell you build the pyramid, build the base. Like what the hell does that mean? Go back and watch that video, listen to that podcast. But spending the time with that volume is really good, but I do think that ticking over a few workouts at higher intensities is good to stay sharper and not raise sharpness. But if you never go glycolytic, if you never tap those zones, it's going to be super fatiguing and hard when you come back to it, but you're not progressing through it. You know, I might throw in a threshold or a threshold burst workout or even some fart lick go ham intervals every two weeks, once a week, but I'm not going, I'm not really having athletes go beyond an eight minute interval. And I don't want them scraping the bottom of the barrel, but I do want them going out and going hard a little bit. So and this comes back, I've I've talked about this. I think this is a really interesting thing, and I wish we had power meters back then on our bikes. Um, when I was training with OG cyclists who are very old school, like Eddie B old school, Google him if you don't know, and they were all about base. I was brought up in, you do not go hard. November 1st came and you did not get to sprint or go hard. And I, I religiously did this until the middle of January. And my coach would say, you are not allowed to insinuate an attack and go for a sprint line, but when someone goes, you can follow it, and then on February 1st, the calendar clicked over, and we would start doing town line sprints, so November, December, and half of January was nothing above tempo, when I moved to Nashville, people looked at me like I was crazy, Bill and I don't follow that, and this is what I'm saying, I don't follow that strictly, and here's why, When we were riding fixed gear bikes, there were moments where we had 30 to 60 to 90 second max efforts. There were a few sections where I remember pulling super hard into headwind, like driving the group. And I was going well above tempo uh, threshold. We had no way to track this though. We had heart rate monitors. I I looked back at some old heart rate data. Um, There definitely were some spikes in there. So that's, you're tapping it. You're hitting those anaerobic fibers. You're going glycolytic a little bit, but I'm not progressing through long intervals. Ride the bike, get big volume. And what was I doing when I was inside? Remember, I love people now who are like, oh, Brendan where he has such a jaded view. All he does is ride his bike. <laughs> Dude, I was running a medical device distributorship. I was riding in my basement. And what my mentor, and I, I still call Mike my first coach because he wrote out a training plan for me and once I once I got into racing and he was like, oh, dude, you need a real coach, which Mike was a real coach to me. But Mike had me doing some tempo intervals, some cadence work, um, trying to keep things fresh. Is this ideal? No. Ideal would be going and riding two to three hours outside. But I had a day job and I had to train at night or I had to train super early in the morning. And so I had to figure out a way to get it done and riding, staring at a wall, riding endurance was not going to, he knew I would never do that over and over and over again. So what I would do is I'd have two workouts that were interval based, not a ton of intervals, but based around an interval. So you warm up 20 to 25 minutes, you do three by 10 minute intervals with five minutes rest. So there you go. You have 30 minutes plus 10 minutes. That's 40 minutes. So now you're already at an hour, and then it's like, dude, figure out how to ride 30 more minutes. Do you want it or not? And to link up to another podcast, no. Is an hour and a half just as good as two hours? Definitely not. But is two hours going to make you hate the trainer so that you get off in January and don't ride until March? That's worse, right? There's dials to all of this. You got to figure it out. But circling back, don't get stuck all year on micro progression. And during base season, I really don't think you want to be progressing. I think you want to be hitting some intervals, but not progressing through them. So if I haven't mapped that out to somebody, hopefully this podcast will help them see that. All right. Have a great day. Good luck with your training. Hit me up on TikTok. Short form videos is really what I want to focus on in 2022 because as much long form stuff as I have on YouTube I don't have 20 minutes to watch a video, so you probably don't either. I'm going to start hitting things quick and easy and hopefully helping you get faster. That's why we started this. That's why we're still here doing it. Let's go.